0: Hi. Welcome to Quiet Connection, a podcast dedicated to ending the stigma around postpartum mental health. I'm Chelsea. Today, we got to hear from Jessica. She's an ER doc and a mom of two who suffered from postpartum depression and anxiety. Let's hear Jessica's story. Hello. We are here with Jessica. Jessica, how are you? Good.
1: How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you so much for joining us today and being willing to share your story with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe even who you were before becoming a parent?
1: Man, I mean, so I guess I'll preface all of this with the fact that I haven't really had the opportunity to to really relay my story and spoken word in any capacity. So it's going to be a little bit of kind of hiccups going along how to actually translate this into spoken word, because it's only recently that I feel like I've even texted about it. Um so, but the, gosh, my life before kids, so different. Yeah. <laughs> in every, every way, shape and form. Um, I've always been a very, very active person, kind of nonstop, got to keep moving, lots and lots of hobbies. Um, and I think I really expected to be able to integrate kids into that in a more seamless way. Um, and just, yeah, I think my expectations of what life would look like before. For, or i guess after kids just is so markedly different than what it is now um and so i feel like i'm only reaching that place for the relatively recently of slowly sort of kind of gaining some of those things back that i had before kids um so whether it be uh you know namely things like exercise um outside time is a big one time to do things like gardening or times with the dogs or hiking and things like that would be the things that I was really really into before and spent a bulk of my day and time doing um yeah and besides that I work in emergency medicine so oh my uh, gosh so you're busy yeah yeah so usually uh yeah so I do about three to four days a week uh in the ER a week and then the rest of the time is up until recently, been spent either with one or both kids. Now they're both in daycare. Um, How old are your kids now? Um, I have a just-turned-one-year-old and then a relatively just-turned-three-year-old.
0: So you're, you've are you got two littles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can be tough in and of itself. Yeah, they're
1: busy. They're two boys. Um, one is, uh, our first, Miles, is just like the coolest, funkiest kid, but he's also... I would characterize him as a challenging kid. Okay. Um, so especially in that first 18 months, maybe markedly worse by the pandemic, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the lack of resources and supports during that timeframe. So it's hard to really tease out what constitutes an easy or not easy baby. And it's obviously pretty individualized in that respect as well. But, um, but yeah, he was, he's the challenging kid. And then his little brother has just developed this, Really cool, but also very big personality as well. So,
0: what was your birthing experience like? If you're comfortable talking about that with one or or either, or
1: (laughs) sure, um, both kids came pretty quick. Uh, and it's I always think it's so funny talking about the birthing experience because you know, it's like I'm I'm familiar with a lot of things working in healthcare. and what the norms and not norms are. So it's like, even while giving birth, I could sort of peripherally see myself going through the experience and recognizing the the textbook nature of it being, you know, uncomplicated or like other words that they use, but then also concurrently being in that experience and being like that. Oh, fuck y'all. Like-
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a totally different thing to know it clinically and then to know it physically
1: yeah especially when they're sort of like oh that was like so textbook that was easy and you're sitting there just like oh that yeah I guess um (laughs) so so
0: overall normal healthy pregnancies and pretty smooth birthing experiences yeah yeah I would
1: say I mean I definitely would one of those people that did not enjoy pregnancy, super symptomatic, like nauseous all the way up till the end with both kids, Um and just vomited both of them out. Essentially, I just <laughs> threw up the whole the whole <laughs> delivery. Just threw up. Um, oh and both were like pretty fast and furious. Like Miles was born in uh about I want to say it's about seven hours from starting wow. contractions to the um, delivery. I we had a doula, but it was she was like over the phone until you get to the hospital. So, um, kind of like trying to track out the times that you're supposed to physically go I know we got on the phone with her and she's like, you just don't sound like you're there yet. And I remember thinking, I was like, I don't know what that means, but like disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I am ready. Uh, and then proceeded to go to the bathroom and just like, I, it's funny. Cause I remember, not with my clinical hat on going to the bathroom and just being like I'm just gonna go and just take a dump real fast and then we'll go <laughs> and then I was like in retrospect like no oh, that's not a good thing that's not a good sign
0: <laughs> no um, no that usually yeah. means baby's coming
1: yeah totally and so went to the bathroom like to get ready to go to the hospital just started like poltergeist vomiting everywhere and then had those like unbelievable contraction got to the hospital and the hospital was like we're totally full and i had water broke during that experience and they were like well we don't even have a triage room and like you know oh your you're first first labor or you're only six hours in like you're, you're gonna be in the hall for a while so i just remember laboring in the hall for like probably like 30 40 minutes And so they finally got me into a triage room and were like, do you want an epidural? And at that stage, I was like a thousand percent, but there's no doctors to do an assessment. So I got an epidural before they checked me and then they checked me and I was like 110 and they were like, oh my God. God. Well, you're lucky lucky you've got one at all. Yeah, 100 percent. And they actually had to slow labor down because we started having D cells with each contraction. Uh, and then the following was pretty good. I, with both pregnancies had like secondary errors. The second was more complicated. Um, and then Noah's experience relatively similar, except for that. I just was way more on top of getting to the hospital sooner. Um, he, the only sort of thing that was a little bit different with him is that, uh, as soon as they put him on my chest, I looked down and I was like, he's not breathing and they were like, oh. oh, yep, definitely not breathing. So they grabbed him, cut the cord, and kind of like moved him away. And you can't see anything so you're like, especially I was, they did a spinal as opposed to, um, I think they can sometimes do it where you're not like totally paralyzed, but I was like mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Um, and so they called a code, ended up just de him. He was totally fine, but kind of like similar to what I was saying before of them being like, oh, yeah, uncomplicated, no problem. And you're just like, I literally just was like, vomiting nonstop you put this like baby on my chest that just wasn't breathing You call the code like all these things that you're like yeah I guess that was um, I don't know I mean I would call
0: that that, I would call that a traumatic birthing experience that's that's scary to have your little baby not be breathing and you're
1: puking (laughs) 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 but also at the same time I recognize that like everything went fine and he is you know instantly fine and no complications following um but uh the recovery for both for me felt kind of equally challenging because of the the degree to which there are tears and like um like pubic symphysis dysfunction stuff leading up to it but i mean in the scheme of things i also was able to remain pretty active the whole pregnancy so
0: okay so that was good that's good so how soon after bringing baby home, or I guess the first question is, did you suffer from a postpartum mental health disorder with both boys or with just one
1: of them? Um, Honestly, just one. Um, okay. The experience between Miles and Noah was like substantially different despite the second being a lot harder to integrate. Um, and we also, our house just got really sick over and over. Like I got the worst hand foot mouth like on earth on like i think it was four days postpartum oh my god um so i was like just like fevers of 104 covered in like this awful rash (sighs) everywhere and then having a mask and work gloves around my newborn and just like praying he didn't get sick as well um but despite that i started um zoloft's like Pretty much at the end of my first trimester with Noah. Okay. Um, with fears that I was gonna have the same experience as I had with Miles. So okay. I did a lot of work to be proactive. I also kind of took efforts into um coming, I, mean, I like like despite the fact that my wife was like, What are we spending this money on? I was crazy about having like the perfect bed setup. And mm. That meant like four bed setups. I was like, What's well, so we're gonna do? better bassinet we're going to get a new mattress if i'm going to co-sleep we're going to you know like have the like we're going to have all these sleep arrangements to maximize sleep um in this postpartum period because yeah just recognizing how detrimental that first month with miles was of just not sleeping at all i feel like you deal with some degree of shifts with the hormones but i would really only say like true postpartum anxiety uh, or depression excuse me with miles but i I will say that I feel like I've had postpartum anxiety to some extent with both, but, um, it was scary postpartum anxiety with miles. It was just, I would just call it just like postpartum anxiety with, with no, and nothing that was as debilitating as it was with the first.
0: Okay. And so, so what was that like? When did you notice that something was, it definitely wasn't baby blues. It definitely wasn't like new mom. (laughs) I just brought a baby home and I'm afraid to take my eyes off of you like when did you realize that this was a little bit more
1: um you know to be perfectly honest i don't think i really appreciated how bad it was until a year later until wow. i was out of it um and there was i think there was like a lot of fear of speaking out about what i was actually thinking in the moment like i didn't even talk to my therapist in depth about some of the thoughts i was having um and i don't know if that was because i'm working in the emergency department, you also interface mental health stuff so frequently. And so I had this underlying fear of what if I say the wrong thing and that sets off this cascade of emotions that becomes bigger than me um, and fears that like, what if they were to take my baby? What if they were to X, Y, Z? And I think that I was so protective of those feelings and thoughts that I was unwilling to, to share anything that I was experiencing in that moment. Um, and so it was really hard to characterize what's normal or what's not normal if you don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the things that really i mean I'd say within the first month or two, I had thoughts that were that were scaring me, and I didn't know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I recognized in that moment that that this was probably more, but I just didn't have anybody to talk to about what was normal and what was not normal and I think it's so easy when you're so sleep deprived and recognizing that you are going through these hormonal changes to sort of chalk it up to that and to Mm -hmm. say, you know, listen, this is just because you're so tired. It's just because you, you know, like you care so much about this thing and you're anxious and everybody says that, you know, like that you, you know, don't always, you know, check your baby's sleep 20 times a night. And so I was like, I kind of put it into that category um, in the moment, despite the fact that I was like, this feels, uh, very, like, disruptive, very, like, invasive invasive thoughts that I just can't, like, shake. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and I think because of the fact that I was, there was that real underlying fear that I wasn't really willing to accept or acknowledge, I sort of immediately kind of boxed off that emotion. Like, as soon as I was like, oh, this is some of these thoughts are kind of really trending on more than what's normal yeah um, I instantly kind of was like oh no oh, no, oh, I can't deal with that I'm gonna put that in a little box and I'm you know we're not gonna talk about that we're not gonna like do that and I think that that unfortunately is the downside of being good in emergency medicine is you compartmentalize um, it's really yeah that's part to, of the job yeah so I was able to sort of do that to some extent not well because i think i was concurrently dealing with the postpartum depression so i was very obviously not okay on that end yeah but it didn't feel the depression didn't feel as scary to me as the anxiety felt i just remember feeling the saddest and most depressed i've ever felt in my life and i'm not like i'm not ever in my life have i've been characterized as a depressed person i've yeah. always been an anxious person but not a depressed person And so that was a totally weird emotion to experience that like profound sadness and like loneliness and like this mix of being like, I should be happy right now, but I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. And that was distinctly different than the um, intrusive thoughts I had that came with the anxiety Um, and that the intrusiveness was what was actually so... Like that was what felt scary to me. The depression was just like, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I never was worried about <clears throat> like self harm or anything in terms of my own safety. I just was miserable. Yeah. Um, but the anxiety piece was something that, that it's like, you can't shake the intrusiveness of those thoughts.
0: Were you able to confide in your wife at all about any of this
1: or. No, no I mean, I she very obviously recognized that like I was not happy. Um, But nobody really knew about the anxiety piece.
0: You kept that all close to your chest.
1: Yeah. And I think it's hard, too, when you're, you know, you're identified as an anxious person to Mm -hmm. the people that are closest to you. Um, And so it's very easy for them to be like, oh, well, you're, this is just, you're just anxious. That's just you. Yeah. Um, And it sometimes undermines your emotions and your feelings because it's just like, well, Jess, but you're, I mean, you always have anxiety, like, of course, you're anxious about that. You're anxious about everything, and so it's really hard because in that moment you're just like, no, this is different. But I don't want to actually tell you how it's different because that's it's exposing on a way that I've yeah just a, you've never experienced before because you've never had this degree of anxiety before.
0: Well, it's almost um, like voicing it makes it real.
1: Yeah, and I think some of those thoughts felt so troubling to me that it, it was like this, it was like, oh my God, like I can't tell anybody else because it's like the, the fear of judgment, yeah, embarrassment, shame. Um, like there's so many emotions and words that you could use to describe what that degree of anxiety and some of those thoughts felt like that it was like, oh no, I'm keeping this very secure and like nobody's going to know this because I think shame is probably the best way of describing it. Just like how, how on earth could I... Even like and you know, it's funny because it's like I know probably comparatively speaking, mine was not even that bad by comparison. It wasn't like I had I mean that we, we can certainly go into some of like the specific thoughts I had, but um but even still it was just like even an inkling of, of some of the thoughts I had, I just was like completely ashamed of.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, well, and that is a common denominator for a lot of parents who are going through postpartum anxiety and depression but a a lot with anxiety shame is a common denominator
1: and the Um, piece too is the shame component because you're just like especially you know when you confide and and what I experienced is I did confide at least on the depression front to a couple um not like super super close friends but you know like friends that have young kids that I was like oh maybe this is a shared experience maybe what I'm experiencing is is normal or you've dealt with it too to to kind of get that response back that's just like oh totally I understand and I didn't get that response back right I got like you know just like oh uh yeah no no I don't feel that way at all or whatever and then that that added to that piece of just being like oh I'm not I'm not gonna open that door again like that felt hard to break down that barrier to communicate that so I'm certainly not gonna like do that again so I think that compounded some of it
0: yeah, that kind of leads into uh, like, what types of supports did you have during that time? Like, did you have family? Did you? Was there anyone around that was sort of lightening the load a little bit? Or,
1: I mean, my wife has always been so participatory in the kids um, and willingness to lose sleep and and do stuff. She doesn't have at all. Um, any issues with anxiety, depression sort of stuff, at least to the same degree or the same, it certainly doesn't manifest the same way. So I don't think there was the ability to really understand what I was going through. So I didn't feel supported emotionally per se, but I felt supported in the sense that she was really up to the task of helping out in every way she could Mm -hmm. um, in terms of like trying to lighten the load with sleep and stuff. But I also was exclusively breastfeeding. So it's hard because it's like, there's only so much that partner can do, um, when you're doing that. Um, but otherwise my mom lived in a different state and then Colette's parents are Canadian. So this is when we both lived in Boston at the time. Okay. So, um, they were able to come down for, you know, a couple of days and then they went back. Um, and then it was just us. And, um, I, it's really interesting when I like, I see, people who have small kids now who, and this is the worst way to do it, but comparing yourself to social media. But in either case, even if you have that sort of like awareness that you're doing that, you're still like, well, but like, even if I'm not comparing them, like I'm still seeing that they physically left their home. Mm -hmm. Like they attended a wedding, they got on an airplane, they went to a restaurant. Even if I'm not comparing some of the details about being like, well, they look so happy and that sort of stuff there were still objective pieces there where i was like hello but they they left their home (laughs) and i was like with miles i was like i didn't i didn't feel like i had the capacity to leave my home with this child for three months like i just it felt too hard and i don't it's funny looking back so i'm like especially now that we have the second and you feel so much more equipped and I didn't feel with the postpartum depression or anxiety. And I'm just like, oh yeah, no, like I can meet up with coffee, you know, with my little baby, no problem. Um, but with Miles, I was just like, I don't know, I just felt totally incapacitated. And just like, I mean, it was confounded by breastfeeding problems. Um, uh, he was more of like kind of a colicky baby. He wasn't super easy. We weren't sleeping, we didn't have help. And so then that sort of led to this cycle where you just, you know, you're just like lucky if you get out into the sun for 20 minutes a day with your kid. And so then that, I think that just then further sort of compounds that depression and isolation and everything. Um, so I think that it just, it made it, along with it, it made it very hard for us to have some of the social outlets that we had previously, mm-hmm. um, And so, um, you know, like people would occasionally be like, Oh, Hey, can I swing by and meet your kid? But I think I was so overwhelmed by so much of the day and those windows of time that felt doable were very far and few between. And so I got these snippets of people coming in for, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes at nine in the morning. But it was like, I feel, I felt like every day by like 2 PM, we had the December baby, um, in Boston so it was like which is the same as up here but where it's like it's getting dark at like three something and so as soon as that like it was like not even half the day is done and you're just like oh god like the night is coming yeah <laughs> it's like this dread yeah it was yeah unreal dread every day and it was like so early too so it's just like oh I can only be a human for a couple hours and then it's back to the depression sort of piece so
0: you felt your symptoms worse in the evening
1: so much worse yeah yeah I felt like every day at whatever time he woke you know five six seven I felt like there was just like this weight off my shoulders I felt like I could breathe for maybe two or three hours and I felt like it was also because one there was light which was huge it was almost like you just had to do one foot in front of the other and you're just like, okay, we survived one more night. Like a new mm-hmm. day has come. Um, and I felt like I could also more easily give uh, miles to my wife. And this was in the first couple of weeks um, when she was off from work, things got worse again when she was back on work because she was in the eight to five. And so then all of a sudden those mornings became a separate dread. Yeah. So, but at least early on, yeah, those felt good. And then, come like two or three in the afternoon it was just like oh. and then I started developing anxiety about the the nights getting you know coming on so then it's like yep. it got earlier and earlier where you're just like I only have an hour left before this totally like depressing wave hits and then it's just like yeah
0: and then you're was- anxious about <sighs> getting anxious
1: yeah yeah, and you're yeah. anxious about the fact that you feel a little time before you're going to be depressed again, even though yeah. you're kind of always depressed, but you're going to be more depressed in the next hour than you were, and you're anxious about that, and it's just a cycle.
0: Um, was there anything at all that helped during that time?
1: <laughs> After the six-week mark, I was able to start going back. I've always been pretty big into CrossFit, and mm-hmm. so I was able to start going back to the gym. And before that, I was doing weighted, you know, just like weights at home, but it wasn't leaving the house. And so that felt huge um and it's you know the time of course and all of this is a little wonky too right and that you know it's like you, you know for this first my wife was actually off for about five or six weeks because her company always has the holidays off so the timing of his birth was super convenient she took two weeks off for his birth and then she was in this like two to three week um work holiday so she was off for like five or six weeks so I dealt with that like acute postpartum depression stuff, but with her there and then kind of felt like by six weeks was sort of getting into the hang of things. But then it's only six weeks before you're back at work and there's that whole new shift. But the the challenging piece was that at that um, three month mark, as soon as I went back to work and I had to go back a week early, uh, was the first week of the pandemic in the emergency oh, department. God. Um, we instantly shut down the day I started work again wow so it was i was actually i think the within a week the first week nothing had shut down but i was at the forefront we were seeing like the very first waves of covid patients so there was this huge fear of just like holy shit now i'm working with this pandemic that we're not familiar with like am i gonna bring it home and kill my baby yeah i like i've already used all my you know my time off so you know i'm gonna be potentially risking my job if I decide not to, but how do you, you know, I'm already kind of dealing with this tremendous anxiety that's been kind of like to some degree underappreciated and then kind of going into that. Um, and then everything totally shut down and that sort of been, that was the next essentially up until his 18th month of life was zero contact with anybody essentially. So that, that sort of, I think perpetuated a lot of struggles, um, for so many other, you know, different reasons. Like we didn't have daycare. We didn't have family. The Canadian border shut down. Um, so then it was just like nothing, nothing. So he was a true COVID baby. Yeah. Luckily we're not born into it. So we could have like family visit at his birth, which, yeah. was, um, which was obviously really huge because I can only imagine the experience for a lot of moms that didn't have that or had to give birth by themselves. But yeah, I mean, it was... He grew up with the social isolation of COVID and has subsequently dealt with issues because of that related to socialization and speech delays and, and other issues because of that.
0: Do you think that the experience changed your relationship or any of your relationships, like your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your family? Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talk about Well, I talk about it a lot. I'm a, a more emotional emoter um, than she is. So, um, <laughs> no, we're still reeling on getting us back a 1,000%. Yeah. And I've had a lot more time to be a little bit more introspective about kind of acknowledging the whys of how that has come to be as opposed to kind of being like, maybe we've just drifted apart as people and being like, well, maybe, but also you guys went through a tremendous number of things. Now recognizing the degree to which you were truly depressed, truly, you know, experiencing a disproportionate level of anxiety at that time that was unsupported and for no fault of anyone. I mean, she wasn't in my head. She didn't know what I was going through. And she was also a new mom experiencing parenthood in her own way as well. Um, But then hitting the pandemic and having no supports and kind of, it's been just kind of like bleeding out this process for so much longer um, cause then it was like in-person therapy. No, right. you know, it's like, you know, any degree of socialization, no exercise, no, like all of the things that were supposed to suddenly become this like light at the end of the tunnel at three months when I went back to work in terms of like, okay, like, you know, I'll be able to, you know, if he goes to daycare or at whatever time, like I can have a little piece of me back. I can have, you know, X, Y, Z, none of those things happened. And so we went on to survival mode both working full-time, so we just, for 18 months, it was just baby pass-off, you know, it was like, here, here, and because, but he had a lot of really tremendous, like, emotional meltdowns at this age, and he was nonverbal um, the entirety of that time, so my days with him were, like, awful. Yeah,
0: I can't, I I can imagine.
1: I just, and I, it was hard, because I was like, I kind of hate this, like, I love this person more Mm -hmm. than anything, as, most mothers can express understanding of it's just this, like, love like no other, but just hating motherhood. Yeah. And it's being like, what? It, you know, like, I don't want to undo this because this is the best thing that's ever happened to me because I love you so much, but it's also the worst thing that's ever happened to me because I've never been so miserable in my whole life and I don't enjoy being with you. Yeah. But I also... I'm not with you when I go to work. And then I just miss. And you're just like, oh, man, the complexity of these conflicting emotions sucks. Yeah, the, the real that took on our relationship until we finally, we moved up into Vermont just before, gosh, when did we move up here? When he was about 10 months old. So we didn't have friends. We got new jobs and kind of that whole thing. And Vermont's kind of isolating. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So it was a... It was just sort of a weird place to move to in the midst of a pandemic because of that. And then I knew that we wanted a second kid, but it was weird because it was like I wasn't even out of the depression for miles. I just was like, if I don't have another kid now, because I'm going to be 40 this year, I was like, there'll be no second kid. And I didn't want that reality, but I didn't know what else to do. So then we got pregnant again. And then that just kind of further compounded a lot of the things because um, I'm also like, admittedly a Pretty nasty pregnant person.
0: Around, so. <laughs> yeah, um, I feel you there. It's, it's not fun. It's not no, it's, fun. It's awful. I don't it's understand. Awful. I I am sorry, and I am not gonna judge these women, but I do not understand birthing people who enjoy being pregnant. I just don't get it. No, so, solidarity.
1: Yeah, man. So like yeah, I think he was fifteen months when we got pregnant again. He didn't start daycare until eighteen months. So then that first whole trimester when you're like real like super miserable. We I still was dealing with him and he was still having these like wild emotional outbursts with me. It was pulling my wife down from her job she from home um, to try and like rescue me to just scream for hours and I couldn't stop him. And so then there was like that resentment and weirdness there because I was preventing her from getting work done and then this huge shame that I was like, God I suck at momming. Like mm. why can't I do this better? like why you know why is this so hard for me? And that just was this perpetual emotion that I experienced for the first of his life two years of his life is just like just like again shame just being like I something's wrong with me like mm. that I'm not liking this, that I'm can't sue my kid appropriately, that I I'm just so depressed that I can't get out of this funk. Why can't I be happy? Why can't whatever? And it's impossible for that not to affect your relationship because it's just like, then you're just, you know, in addition to the fact that you've just been swapping off your baby back and forth with zero time together, it's just this like wave of, you know, it's hard not to eventually develop resentment about a million things. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and it's funny cause it's, we've only, I feel like we're, Barely crawling out of this like motherhood trench. Now <laughs> we've s- sort of, kind of started going on dates, but like we went on to <laughs> dinner last week, and it was like I was like, I think this is the eighth time we've been out together since our kids have been born.
0: Oh my gosh, you
1: know, just the two of us, and you're just like that's ah, bananas.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh. you get it's like starting all over again completely. What do you like about being a
1: parent? It's funny because it's like as miserable as you are at times in parenthood. It's also like sometimes yeah, I don't know. It's just this, you feel very bipolar.
0: Well, you can even you could say nothing. There are no, days, there are days when I like nothing about being a parent.
1: Well, it's funny I say that because I my instant thought was going to be like everything, and I was just like <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> uh, and that's where I was like, man, it's just such such a weird thing to like. Um, you know certain moments of the day just being like this is this is my favorite thing ever and then like two seconds later being like i don't think i can make it till, din- till you know bedtime or whatever yeah um gosh what do i love about I, I mean i think probably the biggest thing is just that to experience what it feels like to love that much um despite the vulnerability of it it's the coolest thing ever i mean yeah. that's just so cool and to be able to like watch them grow, to be able to have moments specifically for me, breastfeeding has been this like really peace giving, lovely time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so those moments are kind of like a special bond quietness that I will for sure miss, you know, later on in life. And so I feel like that to me, despite all the shit, I mean, obviously for me outweighs all the other stuff It's just this like this experience as a whole is like still just tremendously valuable but if you ask me like what what specific moments is harder because i'm like <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
0: <laughs> like do i like
1: bath not really no do i like doing and i'm like no
0: um <laughs> um so on the flip side of that what do you think your darkest moment has
1: been through this whole process I mean, the darkest period for me was probably at that like four to six week mark with miles. Okay. Uh, and uh, that's when I had like the most intrusive thoughts. That's when I was kind of at this like delirious kind of place where I just felt out of body mm-hmm. um, and not being able to trust my, like questioning my ability to trust myself was the scariest time in pre- or in this whole process. Um, I probably wasn't at my most depressed place. I think that by the time while at 18 months and we had been doing this back and forth thing by ourselves for so long, I was at this like absolute breaking point. Um, but that was more from the depression end of things. I think I was just profoundly depressed. So those I think would be the two sort of separate hardest times and just the experience of dealing with, with a, a kid that you couldn't soothe and the, the I, yeah, this enormous shame that came with like me feeling like there's something wrong with me and that from the very beginning right like you know something's wrong with me because I'm not happier because I'm having these thoughts and as those thoughts sort of dissipated with time that I still wasn't getting happier that I Mm -hmm. still was struggling that I still was having a hard time soothing my own baby like all these different things that just like it's so funny because I like anytime a new mom gets pregnant uh it's hard not to be just like or they're about to to be like oh you're about to deal with the dark times. And I'm like, no, that's not everyone's experience. I know, like
0: I know. It's because like, you you want you want you want to prepare them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I but think it's that's, weird. I think I think that's why it's so important. Um and brave that you're that you're talking about this and that and that some of the other um, the other women that I'm talking to are talking about this because we want to tell them because it is a reality for us and it doesn't mean that it'll be a reality for them but it could
1: right and it's it's okay and that's i think that's what's been interesting so like every single mom friend i have now that's about to have a kid i always across the board even even to the extent where it was like my ex-husband's girlfriend and I like, reached out and I was like, hey, if you just need a person to talk to?
0: And she's like,
1: yeah, cool, thanks. And I was like, no, I mean, I, I totally realized it probably shouldn't be me, but I'm just it out there. You know, you're just like so protective. I think it's like of somebody else for fear that they have to go through what you went through. But at the same time, recognizing, now having done that with so many mom friends, where it's just like, hey, do you want me to, I'll text you every day. Just like, just so you've got human connection, so that you've got you know, a body of person that's just like, Hey, I'm, I'm here if you need me every single day. But it's been interesting because I've done that with maybe five or six women and not a single one of them has, and maybe it's just because they don't feel comfortable or not, but yeah, none of them have kind of ultimately needed me in the capacity that, but it kind of also reflects back now on just how different my experience was. Yeah. And that they're just like, oh no, yeah, no, great, I'm good, yeah. No, last night was kind of crappy, but like, no, things are great. We're gonna go blah 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 today, and I'm just like, oh that's – yay, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but you're also just like, wow,
0: shit, that, good for for you. (laughs) And I, yeah, your face said it all too, and I, I can, I can completely relate. That's I gotta avoid social media for that reason. I'm like, I'm like, cool, you guys are doing things yeah, cool yeah. for you.
1: It's really yeah. hard. You're just like, why can't I? Yes. Do, like, what is different? Why is it so hard for me to do those things? Why does it feel like it's a lot of times literally impossible? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, even without... Without the like weight of postpartum anxiety depression with Noah, at least to the same degree, I still have issues with anxiety thoughts related to Noah all the time. And with both of them, and being in the emergency department makes that worse. Like I, I oftentimes struggle to go to bed at night because I still have intrusive thoughts, but they don't feel scary, and I can kind of like talk myself down or separate myself. And I couldn't do that with Miles. It was like, no matter if I was like, okay, just we're going to like quiet, like nothing I could do could stop them from like breaking through that barrier and just like being utterly unrelentless and present. And I can kind of like, like capture myself and be like, cool, we're going to like stop doing that right now. (laughs) Like, no more thoughts, please. Um, So I still deal with it, but I can at least kind of like redirect. But I mean, even without that, it's like, we've spent one night away from our house Well, that's not true. We went to Canada, but we have like in-laws help up there. But it's just, yeah, I'm like, we still haven't taken the kids out to a restaurant. I'm like, now's this three? Yeah. Well, we kind of like finally, we finally got, all got COVID. And that was like right after gastro and like right after some nasty upper respiratory thing. Oh my God. So there was like this window where I was like, F it. Like, let's go to Monkey (laughs) do. (laughs) (laughs) We've just been
0: sick forever anyway.
1: I was like, we got it all. Like, we didn't get COVID again yet. So, uh, yeah. So, we kind of finally went and did some of those things. And I mean, Miles was not into it anyway. So, it's kind of like, but it's, I mean, regardless of which, it's still just the emotional weight, or maybe not emotional weight, but it's just the, I don't know, I guess it is, it's the weight of something, right? Maybe not emotional weight, but like where you're just like, I don't have the energy, <laughs> uh-huh. even to this day. Uh, Not fueled by depression or anxiety, like, but it just, I don't have the bandwidth. Like I can't, it's too hard. Yeah. It's too hard to take you to a restaurant. People do those things and know that they struggle, right? I mean, they're dealing with the same things that you are, but then again, it's that like, well, but they're doing it. Why can't I do it? Like, and from being such an active person, I mean, I used to, you know, like be the person that somebody would be like, hey, do you want to go to Egypt tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, I'll just cancel. Yeah, done. Buy a plane ticket, sure sounds great. Like, oh my god! Um, like, I didn't second guess anything. I'd go, you know, like on ice climbing trips every year and rock climbing trips, and go to the desert and go hiking and camping for you know days or weeks or whatever. Um, and I was like, oh, it's you know, we're going to take our kids and do all these things, and it's like, meanwhile, I can't take them to the fanciest hotel. Overnight, because it's too overwhelming for me. I yeah. like, like, <laughs> just, and that's been a kind of a real hard wake-up call. And some, guys it's just been hard to hard pill to swallow, right? Where you're just yeah. like, man, I, I thought that it would be so different. I thought I would be so much more capable. Um, and recognizing that it's not about my capabilities, but then concurrently feeling like, well, but. If, Kind of is I know.
0: know it's it's so hard. It's so hard to know logically that it is not about your capabilities at all, but that mm-hmm. b- but that emotion brain is you can't you can't quiet it. No, you just can't. Would you tell your boys down the line about your
1: experience? Um. Yes, I think I would be. I think, um, being frank and open with respect to things in an age appropriate way is totally valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to be able to express like yeah, like, you know, especially because I feel like Miles, unfortunately, does have the propensity to be an anxious person moving mm-hmm. forward. Like, I think he will probably struggle with anxiety in his life. Um, so, that will be, be a, a large shared sort of conversation if he does, in fact, struggle with it about, yeah, like, I've had a lot of really hard times with anxiety as well. And never, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, you know, like, I didn't want to be around you. Yeah, You know, like, I'm not there's no value in that for him to hear, but, um, certainly talking about just that, yeah, that those emotions are real and kind of how to work through them and tools. And, um, and just, I think recognizing like, yeah, those, you know, especially if they're, you know, in adulthood, if they were to ever ask me about it or if they had partners that were experiencing something, then I think it would be very appropriate to be frank about the experience and just say yeah, it was incredibly hard. And then, the pandemic added a whole another sort of layer to that, and that I mean that's that's also a part of their story, you know. Like they, that is their story moving forward, and I think understanding what that experience was like for us is on some level important for them to know. But it will really just be contingent upon the need for them to know more specifics.
0: This is a weird kind of question because I feel like I feel like the there's a knee jerk reaction to it, but like, would you change the experience? I mean, the knee-jerk reaction is, I wouldn't be depressed. <laughs> right. But you know what I mean? But, like, at, at, at the base of it, would you go back and change any of it or do any of it differently?
1: I don't know how – I didn't have any tools to do anything differently. If I had known – That I was going to have that many issues, I probably would have done what I did with Noah in terms of getting on medication, pulling in all the supports. I mean, we had our in-laws, and the Canadian border was open, but they essentially just moved in for three months, Um, so we had way more hands on deck. I was far more flexible about um, sleep setups and all sorts of stuff. I mean, I think the only thing I wish that every mom probably wishes is just like, I wish I could go back to my my first self and just kind of just be like, it's okay. Like just be gentle mm-hmm. to yourself. It's okay to, um, to not have control over everything to, you know, cause it's like, as a super type A person at the time, especially with like all the influx of social media telling you what you should be doing or not doing or blah, 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 blah. Like it's hard to get out from underneath that. And I think with no, I did. I was just like, F you guys. Like I'm going to, I'm just going to soothe my baby and breastfeed him to sleep. I don't care what you say. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'm going to do. And it works for me and it feels great and it's way less stressful and it maximizes my sleep more. And I, you know, like any of this kind of like voice of just like, well, you're doing that wrong or you're going to create bad habits or all these sort of things that I felt this added pressure with, with miles, which should make things worse. I did didn't have to the same degree with Miles or with Noah. So I think that if I could, I wish I could have gone back and practiced those sort of things with Miles Mm -hmm. and just been more flexible and not feeling like I was screwing up if I wasn't doing it a certain way or whatever and just taking that pressure off. But it wouldn't change the fact that he was inherently a challenging human.
0: Yeah, Um, which compounds everything.
1: Yeah, but I think that, man, yeah, no, if I could have, I really... And sad at the loss of the three months with him, especially with with Noah. And feeling, I still, it's just I'm not equipped for very small humans. I think it's just not my favorite <laughs> time of their life. <laughs> um, but I could still, with Noah, have moments where I was like, "Oh, this is nice. I like this." And I don't recall a single one of those with Miles. I mm-hmm. that was really sad. Yeah, I feel sad to be like, wow, I, ne- I, like, I realized it took me five weeks for me to to say the words "I love you" to my first child. Yeah, and it didn't. I didn't even realize that was the case until I did it, and I was like, oh my god, have I ever said that to you? And I was just like, wow, that's. I was like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody that. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So I, I feel sad at the loss of having had that connection and bond and experience of of even like a shred of happiness for those first three months with him. That sucked.
0: Do you feel more connected to him now?
1: Yeah, I don't. Luckily, I don't feel like my experience of the postpartum depression anxiety has impacted my relationship with him now. Okay. Which is really great. Thank God. Um, I feel super close and highly attached and whatever. He's still, Is for sure. Um, Colette, my wife, and him have a very special bond, like, and they always have. So I think that that, but I don't feel like luckily that period has, like, yeah, expressed itself in a way that we've lost something now.
0: Good. What do you think are the biggest things that need to change in order for women to get what they need when they're struggling like this?
1: Man. Uh, Well, I'm sort of like, I'm asking myself that question and what would I have been willing to do, be willing to share what I was actually experiencing? And I don't, it's so hard, right? Because I feel like I, because I, I have this weird perspective of seeing the mental health system from an emergency state where it's, I mean, people present to me all the time with acute mental health crises. So I see that. And I think I am, because I know that reality, I'm also afraid to ever be in it. Yeah. Um, And so because there's that weird, unique, personal fear that I have, I don't know that there's a whole lot that, I don't know. I mean, I think just first and foremost, just education across the board, right? I mean, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fact that this is possible. Um, Because I think if I had more education about what to expect, what it means, what the differentiation is between normal postpartum blues versus like trending towards depression or postpartum anxiety and understanding that and not discounting it, then maybe it would never reach that place where I don't want to talk about things because I'm afraid it's going to like trigger this cascade of events that's going to suddenly take my own ability to make decisions away from me. Mm -hmm. And I'm so fearful of that because of my line of work that I was unwilling to ever talk about it because I, I was too terrified that that trigger would get pulled. Um, and it ultimately was luckily able to work through it on my own with time, but recognizing that like, you know, that's really not the case for everybody. And why yeah. was it that I was able to work through on it on my own versus not is, I mean, I think that's, I, I sometimes get really so triggered and freaked out when I hear about like that case with the postpartum psychosis and, you know, mom's actually doing something Yeah, is this like really deep seated fear of like what was it that was different with them? Like, what was the, what was the straw? Because that kind of evokes this really raw vulnerability within myself of being like, well, what would have been your straw? And why is it that you were able to get out of this without those helps? And thank God you did. But like, what would have, what would it have taken for you to not be able to get through this on your own or to have it get even worse and more dangerous And I don't have the answer. And that's what's really scary, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't, and that's where it's just like, it's, I feel like it's so out of the individual's control, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's situational, but it's also, you know, to some degree, there's just this predisposition, it's these things. And I think the education and support early, early, early on is so critical because then it doesn't have to necessarily progress, or at least you can be that much more cognizant that that you're needing help before it gets to that place. Um, and I think if I had, had more supports early on about just like, like you said, like, you know, more check-ins, more resources from the get-go, you know, as you're in your final third trimester, I mean, it should just be pouring you with resources about like you, you know, just so you're aware this is what lactation support can look like afterwards. This is what, Blah, 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 can look like. We want to talk to you about even just dumb stuff, like that it's okay to ask for help, that it's mm-hmm. normal to ask for help, that no parent should actually be expected to do this and that our culture is really effed up with respect to that. Like it does take a village. It mm-hmm. should take a village. The fact that you don't have a village is hard. What are your resources? You know, how can you augment those? I think all those discussions leading up to it and just kind of, just like a whole, like a ton of literature about like, what is postpartum anxiety? When is it something that you need to, I don't know, that would have made it feel more accessible to, yeah. to talk about before it reached a place where I was not willing to talk about it because I was too afraid. And that sucks, right? That like, you're going to get so bad on your own that now I'm not going to talk about it because I'm terrified that now like somebody will swoop in and like do something or that my wife will forever judge me or yeah. that, that's bad. It should never reach that place. It doesn't yeah. have to reach that place. No, nope. but it's
0: well, you are helping women and birthing people so that it doesn't get to that place. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for being so brave and sharing your story with us. You are an incredible asset to birthing people out there. Is there anything else you want to say to anyone who might be going through this right now?
1: Not, you're not alone.
0: Another big thank you to Jessica for sharing her story with us. If you want to follow along with us at Quiet Connection, you can find us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Quiet Connection or at Quiet Connection Podcast. You can find us on all of your major podcast platforms like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and more. Join us next week where another story is told and you realize you're not alone. I see you.